Hi everyone, welcome to the True Crime Podcast where we focus on San Diego cases. My name is Arena. And I'm Renette. And for today's case, it's going to be sort of a mini episode. I tried to gather as much information as I could on this case, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a ton of info. But even so, I still wanted to talk about this case because I think it was, it's still interesting and I wanted to bring this case to light. Okay. So I'm going to talk about a man named uh, Todd Lauren. Todd Lauren. I don't think I heard of that one. Okay, so Todd was actually born Stuart Lauren Shapiro, and later he changed his name to Todd. Okay. So Todd was born January 14th, 1960 in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Todd was a huge fan of comic books and rock music. And when he was just a teen, he would put together these like comic book conventions, and he would also sell records. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, so he, he was actually really good at doing that. Um, he just had such passion for it. He was super driven, and that's like as a teenager. Okay. Which, good for him, right? Like doing yeah. something, he got to do something that he loves, and it seems like he made good money doing it. Mm-hmm. Because he did so well that with his profits, when he was only 19 years old, He moved to San Diego, which was a place that he said he always wanted to live, and he purchased his first home at 19 years old. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did he he come from a wealthy family, or did he get money from the comic book things? Like, how did he do that? It was just strictly from the profits that he made from selling these records and- And um, comics and stuff? Comics, and um, I think it was like rock memorabilia, that sort of stuff. Dang. Wow. He must have had some- What were we doing at 19, Arena? I was- probably passed out somewhere drunk with my friend. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So Todd said before he moved to San Diego, he was debating whether he should go to college or not. Mm -hmm. He wondered if maybe he should be a dentist or a doctor, but he said college seemed very boring to him and he had zero interest. Okay. So then he thought to himself, well, I love what I'm doing now with the rock memorabilia and the records. And then he thought to himself, you know, I'm going to create the world's best rock and roll catalog. He said that he wanted to take all of the different suppliers that carry all of the rock memorabilia and put it all into one place. And that's when he created Music Aid. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Which, by the way, this reminds me of, um, hmm, I don't know if you're too young to remember this, but Columbia House from back in the day. So it was like like a mail order catalog. Oh, okay. So like it said, you would get them in the mail and Mm -hmm. get 10 or maybe it was 12 CDs for a penny. What? Do you remember that? Like I, I talked about this case with Cell and... I told him how I actually like ordered stuff off of there and he ordered stuff from there too. Like Really? I don't think I don't think I've ever actually used that, no, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was these catalogs. It was a bunch of different artists and um they came with these like little individual CD stamps and you would place them on the order form and just wait for your CDs to arrive. So basically, like you joined the club for a penny, but you had to promise to buy a certain amount of music, like at regular prices. But mm-hmm. honestly, Arena, I ordered so many CDs from there. Like I remember ordering um, Depeche Mode's music for the masses, mm-hmm. Silver Chair. Mm-hmm. Like Aren't a you going to see them soon? 
Are um, you gonna go Depeche to Mode? Yes. Yeah, so, I saw that. You're so excited. And then they added more um, North American tours. So I'll see them at yeah. the end of March and then December in San Diego. Oh, nice. Um, I saw that they have two um, dates in Vegas too, but I don't know if I'll be able to go, but that's awesome. So yeah, actually, I know <laughs> some people going to the Vegas show because mm-hmm. San Diego, the tickets were like, it sucks so much, but the tickets at that time, the day they went on sale, the cheapest I've seen were like almost $400. <gasps> Holy crap. And then my friend looked for Vegas and you can get really good seats for the Vegas show for like yeah, 99 bucks. Depends on the stadium or the, the venue for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Dang. Well, to tell you the truth, I just couldn't see myself paying that much for the tickets. So I'm, I'm actually gonna go drive to Los Angeles and listen to them in the parking lot and have a party outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, your little so, tailgate party! <laughs> exactly. And maybe I'll get lucky and find a scalper. Hey, I did that when I was younger, and I like seen whole. Like I got to meet Courtney oh, yeah. Love, yeah, like backstage. Told. Anyways, um, I don't know, but I looked at tickets again. You can do payment plans, so I might do <laughs> for individual I mean, payments. If there are scalpers there, yeah, I just got to make sure that they're legit. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to pay, and then you go up there and they don't, they can't scan it. I know that would suck. Yeah, but anyways, um, mm-hmm. I got a bunch of CDs from there, and I, I never like paid because you got billed later, and I would never pay. So I'm sure my old address is getting a lot of notices. <gasps> what the heck? Wait. <laughs> still keep sending them to you yeah all you had to do is come up with a different name and oh my you're god get- <laughs> shady <That's> right so, <laughs> so when he created music aid that was in the late 1980s mm-hmm. and i believe at that time is also when he changed his name from stewart to todd so music aid was also a mail order rock memorabilia company mm-hmm. and most of the items that he sold were bootleg and he didn't have a permit to sell them. Oh, shoot. Okay. Which obviously that made a lot of record labels and agents and bands, you know, or musicians upset because they weren't affiliated in any sort of way. Yeah, for sure. And at first, Todd ran Music Aid out of his La Jolla condo. Mm-hmm. It was the Music Aid headquarters for just over a year. And he sold band t-shirts, patches of bands, posters, and pins. And the catalog had over 5,000 items. It was all mail order, but eventually, like, because there was so many items in the catalogs and it took up so much space in his La Jolla condo that he opened, and it was also doing really well, that he opened a retail store that was located on Rosecrans in Point Loma. Oh, wow. Cool. I was going to ask if he had like a store, but Mm -hmm. uh, so he grew it into a store. That's cool. Yes. And I found a YouTube video and it was called Todd Lauren Story of Rock and Roll Comics Interview Outtakes. And in the video, you can see Todd introduce himself saying, we have with us the owner of Music Aid and we're going to ask him a few questions. But it's actually Tom speaking as if he was the interviewer and he oh was interviewing God. himself. <laughs> a lot of people do that. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like interviewing himself. And Wait, he so inter- he would ask himself questions too? Like, yes. Oh my, God. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I get if it's just the announcer, you know, like, oh, like here today, blah, blah, blah. But he's just like, <laughs> oh, Todd, so how did you start? Well, you know, um, I started, <laughs> he just changed yeah. his voice. 
you know, you have some videos of yourself interviewing yourself, Arena. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so in this video, he introduces himself. And then he said when he was about 15 or 16, he put on those comic book collector conventions mm-hmm. as a way from having to or as a way to keep from having to concentrate on boring things such as schoolwork. Oh, I I wonder if, like, I don't know what year Comic-Con started. I know it started a long time ago, but I wonder uh-huh. if, like, this was around the same time or if huh. he had an influence in that in some way, you know? Maybe. Because back in the day, it was strictly, like, comics only with artists there that you could get autographs from and, like, interview and stuff. So, like, yeah, that's and been- back. Mm-hmm. Back then, like you didn't, tickets didn't sell out so quickly and yeah. you were able to get tickets the same day. It wasn't as huge exactly. as it, it is wasn't now. super big. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So he, um, he also talks about his love for comic books and rock music. And in the video, he was wearing like this denim jacket and it had a bunch of different like band pins on it. Mm-hmm. And one of the pins had a picture of Frank Zappa on it. Oh, yeah. And Todd says Frank Zappa for president, which, you know, Frank Zappa was Todd's favorite musician. Oh, okay. And, you know, I feel so embarrassed to say, but I never knew Frank Zappa before until Joel. It was Joel. He loves Frank Zappa. Yeah. And um, I didn't hear of Frank Zappa until Joel, which is. That's that's interesting. I would have thought that you, your music taste, um, I would have thought that you knew Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. And I, so I listened to some of his music and it, it was actually really good. I liked yeah, it. I like him too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, real quick. So this was a video interview? Yes, on YouTube. How did, did he, did he change outfits for to pretending to be the interviewer? Like, no, what did he so wear a like, wig or something? <laughs> so someone else was like holding the, well, actually. Or is it just him? I don't know if it was a camera set on a place. Mm-hmm. Like set somewhere, but or if someone was holding the camera for him, but he's sitting on a sofa. Oh, and like and saying, talk, you know, acting like he's the interviewer. Oh, and they don't show the interviewer. No. Oh, it just shows okay. him. That's so that's so freaking <laughs> weird. Okay, <laughs> it is. And um, there was also another video that I found on YouTube where Todd was filming himself inside the store. Actually, it was someone else following him around, but Todd was like directing the guy where to film. Mm -hmm. And he was showing some of his employees and he was saying how all of his employees were in bands and they were all super knowledgeable in the items that they sold and had the same love of music like Tom Mm -hmm. did. Um, But there was a clip where he was with an employee and Todd grabbed like a band patch and Todd said like he grabs the band patch holding it close to the camera. And he's like, it's not enough just to see these patches that we sell from a distance. It's also really important to see these patches up close so you can see exactly what it is. So he's holding the band patch and it was a patch of Faster Pussycat. Okay. Which I think is a band, right? I, I'm I'm hoping, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I know I've never heard of it, but yeah. I've heard of it. I've always assumed it was a band. Okay. And anyways, he's holding the faster pussycat patch and he says, you know, he enjoys the, he goes, I enjoy these with a nice cheese sauce and they go well with a pizza and spaghetti. And I was just like, "Hmm, I guess like that was his sense of humor. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, it's weird. <laughs> but then there was another clip where Todd, he's with an employee, and Todd's showing like all of the band photos that they sell, pointing to like a box full of photos. And he asked the employee, how many photos do you think are in here? And Todd asked him, do you think it's several thousands? And the employee said, probably millions or zillions. And Todd said, well, zillions is a good answer. It's vague. It doesn't mean anything. And you can always use it in an advertisement without having to worry about the FCC suing you. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I assume it's because, remember, like these... um, They're bootlegs. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, so... In 1989, Todd eventually sells Music Aid, and then he started Revolutionary Comics. Oh, okay. I'm going to Google this. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Faster Pussycat is a band. <laughs> oh, is it? Is yeah. it like a heavy metal band? Yeah, and it's all four guys. Do they have like the like um, wild hair, long hair, hairspray, uh, all that let's shit? See. Yeah, they're um, they're from the. Oh wait, it's five guys, and they're from. They were formed in 1985. Yeah, they basically look like, like, um, like hair Mommy metal crew. rock. Yeah, and like Bon Jovi and shit like that. Okay, back in the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I'll have to give them a listen. I don't think they. I don't know. I'm all trying to judge. I'm all judging them just by what the way they look. I'm like, I don't think they. They don't look like they make good music, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What an asshole, Arena. (laughs) But that's probably something that I do. So the comics, they were parodies of biographies of rock stars. Okay. And each issue focused on a different band. So remember, Todd wasn't authorized by any of these musicians to create these comic books on them. But Todd, he wasn't concerned. He didn't care. The comics even had a tagline on the cover that said, unauthorized and proud of it what yeah all this crap some of the musicians were okay with him doing what he was doing like zz top was okay with it kiss and so was frank zappa actually frank zappa told a los angeles paper that he liked his comic that they did on him Mm -hmm. and when todd found that out todd sent zappa the original cover painting framed with a copy of the comic oh wow Okay. And then there was musicians that were not happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was several lawsuits, one of them coming from New Kids on the Block. Oh. Most of the times, Todd would settle on these suits outside of court, but not for the New Kids on the Block. So he went to court against New Kids on the Block, and he won the case against them. Really? He's, yeah, he won. He cited First Amendment protection. And this is exactly what Todd said. In quotes, comics are an expression that is a form of speech. Look, if I wanted to make money, I would have become a lawyer, not a comic book publisher. But I wanted to document the history of rock and roll in comics. What's wrong with that? That's true. Yeah. I mean, that does kind of make sense because, yeah, okay. Yeah, I see that now. For some reason, I I thought like... Yeah, that he, how was he getting away with it? But that explanation kind of does help. Right. So, you know, it's safe to say he had many enemies in the music industry, but again, it didn't stop him. Tom Mm -hmm. still created and produced these comics. 
On June 18th, 1992, Todd didn't go to work. This was super unusual, so Todd's dad, Herb Shapiro, drove to Todd's condo to check on him, which, by the way, at that time, he um, didn't live in La Jolla anymore. He bought a place in Hillcrest Oh, okay. on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. So Herb drives there. He didn't have the key to the condo. He's knocking on the door. There's no answer, so he eventually calls a locksmith. Once the locksmith gets there, opens the door, and Herb goes inside the apartment, he goes into the bedroom, and that's where Herb found Todd bludgeoned and stabbed <gasps> to death. Oh, my God. You know Todd- what I just realized, though? Uh-huh. This whole time, I didn't know if this Todd guy was the murderer, like the criminal, or the victim, so that's oh. surprising. I actually was like oh who did he kill you know like but so when you said the whole comment about it being weird about him interviewing himself and stuff I kind of like started to think oh in my head like oh maybe arena thinks he's a bad guy yeah yeah like he's a weirdo you know and he like I don't know something happened where he just kind of snapped and committed some crime but oh my gosh so he was the victim Mm -hmm. he was a victim he was stabbed 15 times um and the place didn't look ransacked or anything. Nothing was stolen. So it wasn't a burglary. Not a burglary. The only thing that was missing was Todd's Chrysler uh, LeBaron oh. convertible. Oh, okay. Well, so that went missing. Two days later, Todd's car was found abandoned in Hayward, California. Which um, I'm, I didn't know where Hayward was. I Googled yeah. it. It says it's seven hours and 22 minutes away from San Diego. Dang, that's like near San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So when they found the car, there was fingerprints. And those fingerprints were linked to a man named Gary Lee Stewart. Okay. So they found Gary. They arrested him. And he did admit to stealing the car but Gary swore he had nothing to do with the murder of Todd. Mm, okay. And I couldn't find any info on Gary. I tried to see if like he had this criminal past and I, I really tried, but I couldn't find anything on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was, like I said, he was arrested and he did time for stealing a vehicle, but how could he have his, this guy's vehicle and not have anything to do with this murder? <laughs> Right, because in the very beginning, the police, when they realized that Todd's car was missing, they believed that whoever took the vehicle also murdered Todd. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But there was no evidence. I'm assuming that with those fingerprints they got of Gary in the car, they must have, you know, did a fingerprint. um, Mm -hmm. They must have checked for fingerprints in Todd's apartment to see if Gary's fingerprints were in there. I'm assuming, right? And like, why did this guy have his car? Like, was he a friend or like who? They don't know if they knew if it was just a random car burglary that Gary did. What? Okay. There was like no other information, at least that I can find. Oh, all right. Yeah. And I I got stuck for a long time. I was like, let me log on to newspaper archives and see if I could find anything. I really could not find anything on this Gary guy. Oh, so weird. It is very, very weird. And I would love to know what, like, what's the story on this Gary guy, right? Yeah. So, also, I wanted to mention that Todd was gay. Oh, okay. So, when Todd was murdered, um, 
Mm, it could have been that's like a- when friends and his employee or most of his friends and his employees found out that he was gay. Oh. It was a big shock to them. They literally had no idea. Todd was just a super private person. Oh, so he had like a secret like life probably and something went wrong and none of them um, could figure out like who it was if he was hiding, mm-hmm. having secrets. Yeah. And I know that his parents were aware that he was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like the employees didn't know, nobody else really knew. Oh, okay. So unfortunately his case goes cold. And then a few years later, there's a suspect that pops up and the suspect is Andrew Kunanen. <gasps> oh my God. Again? Yeah. Is Andrew Kunanen guy? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So Andrew, um, you know, he murdered five people over the course of three months. Those murders took place from April 1997 to July 1997. Obviously, mm. the murder he's most known for is Gianni Versace. Yeah. But in those murders, Andrew murdered some of his victims for their vehicle. So, um, another thing is his victims were bludgeoned, with the exception of Gianni Versace, who he shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Todd was pretty well known in the community. And it's said that Todd and Andrew possibly frequented the same gay bars and clubs. Um, so Andrew hung out, you know, with older rich men so they can fund like his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And Todd, you know, uh, he had some money, right? He did pretty well with what he was doing. So it's just an idea. It's something that they think it could have been possible that. Todd was the first victim of Andrew Cunanan, oh but there God. was not enough evidence to link him to it. Obviously, at, they can't, they couldn't interrogate him when they reopened this case because at that point, Andrew had already committed suicide. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, that's insane. I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> no, and when I found this case, I was just like, what the hell? And I don't know. I mean, I'm not super convinced, but... Yeah. You know, you you just never know, right? That's just a theory, though. Yes. So, you know, I had mentioned that Todd parents actually knew that Todd was gay. They told police investigators that Todd told them about a guy he met at, it was either a gay bar or a club. Mm-hmm. And the way that Todd described this guy, it fit the description of Andrew. So that's another reason they think it could have uh, been Andrew. Okay. Yeah. But again, there wasn't enough evidence to confirm that it was Andrew. Um. And to this day, Todd's murder is still unsolved, <gasps> and it's still on the San Diego City's cold case website. What? No. Ah, I'm, I get so frustrated with cold cases. I do, too. Uh, and like I said, I know that's literally it, Arena. It's oh a God. mini episode. <laughs> You're like, it's never been solved. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> okay, thanks Liter- for listening. <laughs> literally, that's it. Oh, my gosh. Really? That's like. And it's still open case. What what year was that that he was? Um, that was in nineteen ninety two, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I mentioned, but when Todd was murdered, he was only thirty two years old. Oh my gosh! Like I feel like whoever murdered Todd had to be someone he knew because he was a private person. Yeah. Most people didn't even know he was gay. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know where he lived. Yeah. So you know, since Todd was killed at home in his bedroom, there was no sign of a break, and the person who killed him most likely was someone invited in. 
And that's like super personal, like stabbing in general is usually a crime of passion or and very personal. And 15 times is enough to be like, yeah, this person knew him. Like they knew each yes. other for sure. And I actually wanted to mention like one of my tenants, Peter, he knew Andrew Kunanen. <gasps> oh my God, that is so scary. <laughs> yeah, I think Peter's probably like in his early or mid 50s. And he hung out with the same circle of friends that Andrew hung out with. And um, actually, he ended up showing me like it was Peter's birthday and um, Andrew bought him like a Mickey Mouse watch. Mm -hmm. So like he brought it up to my office and he showed me the watch that Andrew bought for him. He has pictures that I was able to see like hanging out with Andrew and I'm like, bitch, you could have been like a victim. But yeah, so my tenant knew Andrew and I asked him like, how did he seem? And he's like, I don't know. He seemed like a pretty normal guy. He was, you know, he liked to show off and he liked to brag about, you know, these material items that these men he was hanging out with were purchasing for him. But, um, but anyways, like, and then who knows, right? Like Todd, he angered a lot of people in the music industry. Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought maybe it was like a musician or um, someone that had sued him or something and, you know, had a grudge and went and attacked him or something. Right. Because now that I think about it, I think when you're being sued and you have to set whether, you know, if he settled outside of court, I imagine on those court papers, his address is on there because, you know, they said a lot of people didn't know where he lived, but, you know, or, um, I, it or was he also was followed said, or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was also said these people that he hired to, you know, draw the comics and that sort of stuff are him. Um, Todd, he was kind of like a like a cheapskate, and he didn't pay as well as he uh, s- told these people he would pay. So I wonder if it was like a an angry employee of his. Dang. I don't know. Oh my god, there's so many different people that it could have been. And I'm just so curious about this Gary man. Yeah, I tried to Google him, but I don't think it's the same person. Like, I don't think he has a... I mean, I do see a mugshot, so maybe that is him. He just looks like an older white dude. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so crazy to me that... Well, now that I think about it, what happened to the car keys? I wonder if when they searched the home, if the car keys were there. Like, how did this guy, Gary, start this car? I mean, when you steal cars, you can start them without the keys, right? Yeah, and this like, was 1992. What's What's funny was when you mentioned Andrew um, Kinyanin, mm-hmm. Um I had just listened to a Morbid episode, and they do those listener tales. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he had a story that he submitted that he grew up in. He was he was in Hillcrest and stuff. He grew up in San Diego, and he slept with Andrew Kinyanin. He didn't realize who it was, obviously, until later. And oh, he shoot. saw his face in the news, and he was like. Holy crap. I slept with this guy like a few months ago. Oh my God. That yeah. is so crazy. I can't even imagine how he must have felt. I know. He was just, he freaked out a lot, obviously. He said, I think he said in the story that he vomited. As oh my he God. Got, he got sick to his stomach. And I think the nerves of being scared that he could have possibly been a victim. Mm-hmm. He just said that he, what he remembers is that 
he was like an odd guy and he but he was like super good looking or whatever and um that he stole his um like candy dish that he had in his living what room the hell? yeah like when he got there he he was like oh this is a cute dish it was like an antique or something and he was like oh yeah my grandma blah, 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 gave it to me and then like the next morning he left him a little note saying like it was nice meeting you bye and then when and then it wasn't until like a day or so later, the guy was like, hey, where's my candy dish? He stole That's it. so <laughs> fucked up. And especially since his grandma gave it to yeah, him. Yeah, it was like an old like. <laughs> that is so fucked up. Uh, I thought it was kind of like in the in the story he was saying, he was like, it is kind of funny to think about. But at the same time, he's like, it was terrifying finding out that he was a murderer. <laughs> I don't think I've had every, anything. Not that I have anything valuable stolen from me. Oh, actually. Um, I was so excited because I got like my Jeffree Star uh, mirror, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> like a makeup mirror, uh-huh. and it went missing. And so this is like a couple years ago. And I was like, wait, I was meeting up with my friend Larissa at Three Punks so we can have a beer. And it was like in the afternoon and I was getting ready, putting my makeup on using that Jeffree Star mirror in my uh-huh. living room. And then I took off and Sal was hanging out with a couple people here at my house drinking because mm-hmm. it wasn't a work day. And then when I come back the next day or when I come back home and the next day I was going to use it to apply my makeup. I'm like, wait, I know I left it on the sofa. Like I'm looking under the cushions, can't find it. So then I thought to myself, wait, I know who was here at the house. I don't think they would still like that's just they uh-huh. wouldn't. But I looked at the um, camera footage. Uh-huh. And bitch, if I did not see one of those folks with my damn <gasps> Jeffree Star mirror serious? tucked in the back of their <gasps> sweatpants. Oh my God. Did you confront them? So while like, I was like, wait, am I tripping? And like, Sal Sal, he's like, no, that's it. Like you can see the outline. So I took screenshots like while watching, looking at the camera footage from uh-huh. my cell phone and I sent it to my cousin Marie and I was like, tell me this does not look. And she's like, well, according to exhibit A, she's like, if you look at that, and she's drawing arrows. Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't confront them because... It was a really awkward situation for me because the person that it was. And about a week later, that person's person that they knew ended up coming to my house and bringing me my Jeffree Star mirror. Oh, And that person, I was like, well, what was my mirror? Why did that person take my mirror? And this person was like, no, they did it as like a joke. And I'm like, no, No. why would they joke around taking my Jeffree Star mirror? But apparently this person was like, no, I found it in that person's car. And they said, oh, no, they only took it as a joke. Mm, okay. Weird. Yeah. That was- just don't steal people. Yeah. Just don't take other Especially if it's something that your grandma gave you. I know. <laughs> or gave <laughs> a nice them. little antique candy dish. <laughs> right. Oh so anyways, God. sorry, you guys, about it being such a oh. <laughs> weird ending. And just like, and that's the end of it. It went cold. <laughs> but there was nothing else I can find on it. Dang. Well, hopefully, like you said, hopefully some news comes out of it and some with technology advancements, they they catch whoever did this. Cause that's I really hope so. I really yeah. do. And, you know, hopefully uh, maybe somebody knows something and then, you know, I really hope that they'll come forward and, yeah. you know, say something. But it's a cold case. Ay, ay, ay. Cold cases. <laughs> uh. 
And just to let our listeners know, moving forward, it's always going to be me telling the stories and Arena will always be my partner responding yeah. to me. Yeah, we think um, it works out better this way and um, we're going to continue doing it like this and and it's still really fun to record and I'm excited to hear more more cases. So thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. We appreciate each and everyone who gives us a like or please subscribe. Yep. I mean, come on, you guys, we're stuck at like, how many <laughs> followers do we have? 82? I think so. <laughs> 182, yeah. I think. We'll try to release more episodes and hopefully our numbers grow, but thank you for everyone who's continued to listen and follow us. Thank you everyone. Yay. Bye. Bye.